Boy, such a good God, isn't he? I find myself joyfully unable to get away from the theme of revival. There's a story of an old evangelist that held a meeting back in the days when they'd have two and three week meetings in a town in a tent. And uh, he opened the meeting preaching from John 3.16. Had a great response. Next night he preached from John 3.16. Had another great response. The next evening he preached from John 3.16. Finally, somebody asked him, why do you keep preaching from the same text night after night? He said, well, that answer ought to be obvious to you. So, well, it's not. What's your answer? He said, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if... Uh, as long as there's people show up to need to hear that, I'm going to keep saying it. Andy, why do we keep going back to revival? Because we need it. I need it. I'm starving for it. And the Lord is, man, I don't know how else to put it. He's messing with me. And in unexpected ways, he'll just grip me in a moment that I don't even see it coming. Send me to squalling. And I'm not by nature, at least I didn't used to be, that kind of guy. God has a way of throwing things on its side, doesn't he? I was sitting in my office, these kids in here. Practicing for Odax. I've heard the same songs 427 times. I've heard the same three messages preached 1,282 times. Because it all happens in here. And I'm right up there. And there was just one day in particular. They're in here singing in Christ alone. And I just sucked, snuck down on the steps and just sat there and cried. I don't know what the Lord's doing, but I need it. I need it badly. And yet, the more you realize you need it, the more you realize how easily it can slip away. You know, you have a great meeting, great time of prayer, whatever it may be. And then by and by, you go into the next week and you get busy with something and sidetracked with something. You're like, oh, my soul, I'm about to squander this thing. I'm glad God's not as uh, waffling as I am. Psalm 42 is where we're going to be tonight. 
I've been messing around with this psalm for about three weeks. And I have prepared messages from three different perspectives from this psalm, unable to settle on any one. I admit the first, the, first, the first pass at it was a ripoff of Adrian Rogers. There's no way around that. It was a good one, too. And then I came back to it again, and it took some other form. And this is the third one. They say the third time's a charm. We shall see. Psalm 42. To the chief musician, Mashiel, for the sons of Korah. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Man, that resonates. My soul thirsteth for God. I love what he says here. Not just any God, y'all. For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Have you ever had your tears speak to you and tell you things? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. So speaking in the past tense, he's telling us that I'm not currently doing that now. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verses like verse 6. I have to be so careful when I read them in a devotion at home or something because we are very very quick to tell our kids that we don't say OMG. Taking the Lord's name in vain is a serious thing. And Asher has so gotten that that he is quick to correct other people. Large, strong people. Be at the grocery store or something and somebody says, you shouldn't say that. But he's right. So when I read a verse like verse 6 and this has happened, oh my God, Asher will stop me. You shouldn't say that. Son, I'm reading the Bible. Well, he shouldn't say that. No, son, that's that's not what it means. And so we have to pause devotions and explain to him this isn't the same thing, even though it's exactly the same thing. It's not the same thing, and he doesn't get it. Oh, my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? 
Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. There's a certain ebb and flow and up and down of this writer's spiritual state. We see him down a lot, and every once in a while we'll see a little peak in his spiritual understanding, and then he's down again. I think that's maybe part of why this psalm resonates with me, because I'm like that sometimes. I'm prone to what Spurgeon called fainting fits. I think there's a certain bipolar nature to our faith if we're not careful. Great men and women of God have known it. Guys like David and Elijah, more recently Spurgeon and Judson. But if we're really talking about revival, revival is characterized by consistency. Consistent obedience, consistent joy, things like that. You see, a momentary emotional high is not revival. And we've all been there. We've all been at meetings and and camp meetings and, and Bible conferences and things that, man, alive, we're on the mountaintop and it's great. And just that quickly, we're back down again. We thank the Lord for those mountaintop experiences. We need those. But revival is a consistency. So while we're thankful for the moments that he has of what I would call spiritual epiphany, like verses 5 and 8 and 11, the whole of this psalm points to a man, and I'm not meaning to be judgy because I'm probably nowhere near as spiritual as this guy, whoever he is. But the whole of this psalm points to a man in need of revival. Our young people have volunteered by the hand of Brother Davies to stay in here tonight. I appreciate y'all staying. I'm keenly aware that what we do over there is specifically geared to you and meant for your enjoyment and your edification. And I know when I was a teenager, on those times that my youth pastor would make us stay in church, I was, in a sanctified way, disappointed. But it's my hope that I'm correct in my assessment. God has a message for you all tonight. Just like I hope he has one for all of us. And I sure don't want to be in the way of it. And so we're all going to face this psalm And answer this question, one that I'll just go ahead and give you a spoiler. I answer in the affirmative, yes. Do I need revival? Do I need it? I do. So, Father, would you help us tonight? Have your will and way in me. Do in me whatever you want to do.
I know, Lord, that it's the opportunity has been given to me to be the mouthpiece tonight, but whatever way you can and will, move me out of the way of this thing. Bless your word and speak to our hearts. We need an unusual touch from God tonight. I pray that we'll have it, that Jesus will be glorified tonight, and that we'll be revived. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. i got five questions for us to ask ourselves tonight in the matter of do we need revival. Number one, are you distant? Are you distant? The Bible tells us a great deal in what it has to say, but sometimes it tells us a great deal in what it doesn't say. And what it doesn't say in this psalm is who wrote it. Now, I've heard some good arguments for some good ideas. The, the, the most prominent idea is that David wrote it on one of these occasions in which he was driven from home, fleeing Saul, fleeing Absalom, somewhere in between. And if I had to, if you forced me to take a guess, I'd probably lean towards David. But I've, I've heard Hezekiah. I've heard somebody post-exile. I've heard some that maybe it was some unnamed Levite that had been sojourning away from the land of Israel, and he's away from the temple. He's away. I don't know who it was, but here's what I know, and I don't know the occasion, but here's what I know. I know that the writer is not where he wants to be, and I know that the writer is not where he thinks he should be. Now, let me ask you a question, one that I ask myself. Right now, as you sit here, if you take an honest evaluation, you use God's word as your mirror, can you say, right here, right now, I'm where I should be spiritually, I'm where I want to be spiritually? I can't say that. Man, I want to, but I can't. I am sojourning somewhere that I can still remember the temple. I can still think of the temple. I can still have good feelings about the temple, but I'm not at the temple. And sometimes as Christians, we can wander a little bit, and it's easy. And by the way, you can wander while you're serving God. I can remember the presence of God. I can think on the presence of God. I can desire the presence of God. But if I'm honest, I am not in the presence of God. Now, I know theologically as Christians, he dwells in us. But you know what we're saying here. There is a certain distance that can kick in. I've seen it in marriages, even my own, in which we're just not as close as we should be. There's a distance there. We as teachers, we can feel it in our classrooms. Sometimes those kids are locked in, and I mean we're just, wow, and then sometimes there's some kind of barrier there, and we don't know what it is or why it is. We just know something's not right with our kids. 
My soul, my, my kid's 11. And already, I'm dealing with the... She was a whole lot easier to understand a couple years ago. Now, it's all my wife's problem. Sometimes I just know there's distance. Well, beloved, if you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I'm not where I ought to be spiritually. I'm not where I think I ought to be spiritually, where I want to be spiritually. Then there's a really good chance that we need revival. Number two, are you distant? Are you deficient? That's a tough word, isn't it? Look at verse 2. Well, verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. This first verse is where we get the course that we sing. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. And I'm not opposed to singing that course. I love singing that course. We'll continue singing that course. But don't miss what's going on here. This writer is admitting that there are deficiencies in his life. What do I mean? He references the three things everybody needs to live. First of all, as the, as the heart panteth. What are you doing when you're panting? You're breathing. We all need air, don't we? Yeah. Then, in verse 2, my soul what? Thirsteth. We need water, don't we? Verse 3, my tears have been my what? Meat. We need food, don't we? So none of us can make it without air, water, and food. And then the, and the, uh, some would say covering, but that's not an immediate need in certain circumstances. But there's a fourth. So what is he saying? I'm panting because I don't have enough air. I'm thirsting. Because I don't have enough water. I'm hungry because I don't have enough food. But that's not even the gravest deficiency that he has in his life. In verse 4, he says, My life has been without worship. The gravest deficiency. Is worship. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. And so, what's he saying? Yes, there's air issues, and there's water issues, and there's food issues, but man, more than anything, I am deficient in the matter of my worship. I need it. And can I tell you something, friend? All the air, food, and water is ultimately eternally useless without worship. 
I know plenty of people. They've got a banquet table of food every week. They've got clean water and more. They're breathing the clearest air in the most beautiful neighborhood. But there's no worship in their lives. And so when we sing, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee, that's not just saying that we have a good, healthy need for God. It's admitting that I'm not getting enough of it to begin with. Because when you're thirsty, what does that mean? You're deficient. If you're truly hungry, and I say truly because it's easy to feel that way and not be. If you're truly hungry, you're deficient. And what this writer's talking about is not air, food, and water. He's saying, I'm deficient in the matter of my worship. Job understood that. Job 23, 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. When's the last time? You were so enraptured in worship, whether it was in church or whether it was reading the Word, meditating on the Word, whatever. When was the last time you were so enraptured with it that you forgot what time it was? Let's be honest. Come 12 o'clock Sunday morning, our body starts reminding us it's lunchtime. But man, I'm going to tell you, and, and I don't preach long for spite. I do preach long sometimes, but it's never for spite. But I tell you, you start worshiping, and you start meditating on the things of God, and all of a sudden, lunchtime fades into the background. Would to God we could get like Jesus, who said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That's why fasting is such a big deal in the Bible. You set something physical aside that's not wrong, but you deny your flesh that you might pursue the spiritual. And God honors that. There has never once in my entire Christian life that I have ever fasted in some way, shape, or form that God didn't bless that effort in some way. Not once. Are you deficient? Is something spiritually lacking in your life? Let me give you a side note just because it didn't fit in the outline. It says, as the heart panteth. There's a difference between breathing and panting, isn't it? (laughs) If I have to run, and when I was helping out with basketball periodically in practice, I would challenge them. Woe unto whoever I beat in a suicide or a lap. Because if I can't, if you can't beat me, and I'd prove my point, and I'd go somewhere where nobody could see, and I would pant, suck and win like crazy, going through making sure my will is up to date. 
Panting implies great energy expended. Something to think about. When you're deficient, when you're depleted, maybe that's a better word, depleted. When you're deficient and depleted spiritually, you're going to start panting because you start doing things in your own energy. I've been a preacher a long time, and I've known a lot of preachers, and they'll all tell you the same thing. When you're not where you ought to be with God and you start operating in your own energy, you run out of gas a whole lot quicker. Are you distant? You need revival. Are you deficient? You need revival. Number three, are you disguised? Hmm. Verse number five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted where? In me. Verse number 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted where? Within me. What's our soul? That's our mind, our emotions, and our will. Where is his soul disquieted? Where is his emotions disquieted? Not on the outside, but within. And we've all done a really good job tonight of coming into church and appearing pretty spiritual. Hey, brother, good to see you. Hey, sister, good to see you. Man, it's good to be, isn't it? But maybe, just maybe, your soul is disquieted within you. What have we done? We've disguised ourselves. If we're constantly having to fake it to present the guise of a joyful Christian to those who are without, we probably need revival. Number four, are you distant? Are you deficient? Are you disguised? Number four. Are you drowning? And sometimes that's one of the things you're disguising. If you were honest, I got to tell you, I'm drowning. Spiritually speaking, I can't breathe. I'm overcome. I'm overwhelmed. Listen to what the psalmist writes here. Verse number six. Oh, my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the end of the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. It appears as though he is describing the northern region where the Jordan River begins. And part of what begins the Jordan River is a waterfall. Now watch this, verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. Now, I want to be careful to tell you, King James translators didn't get this wrong, 
But today, in 2023, we hear water spout, we tend to think of something cyclonic, you know, like a tornado at sea. But the word can mean any column of water, regardless of direction. And so, in 1611, a water spout could just as easily mean a waterfall. And that fits into the description of where we're talking about, the headwaters of Jordan. Now, if you've ever been to a waterfall of any size, you can see the imagery here. He goes on to say in verse 7, Thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Last summer, we had the opportunity to go up into New England and spend two weeks working through New England. What a wonderful time that was. And we went via New York, and we went to see Niagara Falls. It's not the biggest fault. No, it's not, but it, it's Niagara Falls. And we saw it. Well, the Canadian side's much better. You know what? I could see the Canadian side from where I was. I was fine with it. And it's not the biggest falls, but I can tell you this. If you somehow manage to get to the bottom and stand underneath it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get overwhelmed. And there's some times in our lives, whether it's circumstances, our own emotions, our perceived lack of ability, whatever it is. And before long, it's like the water is just crashing down on us and we are Drowning. I can't take another drop. If you sit here tonight and spiritually speaking, you feel like you're drowning, you probably need revival. Do I need revival? Well, are you distant? Are you deficient? Are you disguised? Are you drowning? And then finally, are you deceived? Verse 9. I will say unto God... My rock. Sounds like a good start, doesn't it? God's my rock. But look what he says. Why hast thou forgotten me? Now, when we are on an even keel and spiritually in a good place, we would agree that the idea that God has forgotten any of us is absolutely insane. We know that's not what the Bible teaches. We know that he says exactly the opposite, that he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I'm with thee always, even until the end of the world. What can separate us from the, from the love of Christ? We know what the Bible says, but when we need revival, we can't help but entertain the lie that God has forgotten about us. 
And not just that lie, but all kinds of lies that the devil wants to start sowing in our thinking. He's forgotten you. Hey, guess what? He's holding out on you. Teenager, don't you understand? You can have everything the world has to offer. God just doesn't want you to have any fun. Of course, of course you can you can entertain that lustful mindset. That's not going to go anywhere. Of course, you can set aside the things of God to make that little bit of extra money. That's not going to be a problem. And he just lies, and he lies, and he lies, and without question, his most effective lie to any Christian I've ever known is this. There's plenty of time to sort all this out. But when we need revival, we can be so easily deceived. And it puts us in direct contradiction with the truth of God's word. So here we are. I look at the word of God as my mirror. Wednesday, March the 8th, 2023. And I have to ask myself this question. Andy, are you distant? Are you as close to him as you've ever been? Okay, let me give you something that my pastor gave me years ago. I've never forgotten it, and I've never gotten over it. Think of the day in your life when you were the most solid on fire, close to God, Christian, you've ever been. If that day's not today, you're backslidden. Thanks, Pastor. But it's true. Are you distant? Andy, are you deficient? The reason your soul pants after God like it does is because you don't have the power of God like you used to. And you're trying to do it in your own energy. And you've come up short. Are you disguised? In the recent past, I sat in my office and told my wife crying, I can't go out there. I'm a fraud. I'm struggling. I can't fool them. What did I have to do? Put on a disguise. Every Sunday school teacher in here has done it. Every deacon's done it. 
Every financial committee member has done it. Every dad and mom has done it. It's part and parcel with sometimes we fake it. But we should never be okay with it. We should never think that's how God wants it. Why would I tell you something like that? Because you've got to know we're made of the same stuff, and I've been there and you've been there. And sometimes we just do right just for the, the show of doing right. Are you disguised? Andy, are you drowning? Sometimes. Sometimes you are too. And sometimes we can get deceived and believe lies that we know any other day we know are not true. But when we're weak, the devil swoops in and starts feeding us all kinds of stuff, doesn't he? So what does that mean? I should just quit? I should just give up? I should just try something else? No. It means you need revival. And I'm telling you, when you start to see the Holy Ghost work in your life and bring about that conviction that leads you to consistent obedience to God's Word, along with that comes joy, and before you know it, you're not distant, you're quite close. Before you know it, you're not deficient, you're full. I mean, you're just full. And before you know it, it's not a disguise, it's the real thing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. And before you know it, you're not drowning. You're walking on top, and you're not deceived. You are completely in touch with the truth. Revival fixes all of it. All of it. So as we go into our time of prayer tonight, we'll look at prayer requests and all that. But may our heart song tonight be, Lord, revive me. Revive me. Do I need revival?